Hi, this is Pastor Emily McGinley from Urban Village Church, Hyde Park, Woodlawn. If you've been to UVC, you'll know that we seek to be three things, bold, inclusive, and relevant. We know that there are countless folks across the country and out there in podcast land like yourself, seeking a message that will bring insight, hope, encouragement, and joy as we do this thing called faith. Please consider making a financial gift to help us with this work of inspiring, equipping, and sending out agents of gospel life and inclusive love. Just go to www.urbanvillagechurch.org forward slash give. Thanks for listening, and God bless. Our passage for today comes from Exodus uh, chapter 33, verses 7 through 11. Listen for what God is saying to you. Moses took the tent and pitched it outside the camp, far away from the camp. He called it the meeting tent. Everyone who wanted advice from the Lord would go out to the meeting tent outside the camp. Whenever Moses went out to the tent, all the people would rise and stand at the entrance to their tents and watch Moses until he had gone into the tent. When Moses entered the tent, the column of cloud would come down and stand at the, tent, the tent's entrance while the Lord talked with Moses. When all the people saw the column of cloud standing at the tent's entrance, they would all rise and then bow down at the entrances to their tents. In this way, the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face, like two people talking to each other. Then Moses would come back to the camp, but his young assistant, Joshua, Nun's son, wouldn't leave the tent. May God add a blessing to the understanding and living out of this scripture. Good morning again, church. My name is Emily McGinley. Let's begin with a word of prayer. God, thank you so much for the gift of um, community and the gift of knowing you through one another in community. I pray, God, that as, uh, as we go about your work in this world, um, that you would be present in this space, that you would help me to see and experience you, help us all to see and experience you in new ways. We pray this with trust and with hope and with gratitude in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. So over the last couple of weeks, I have had the privilege of being part of some pretty amazing um, conversations. Two weeks ago, I was in Minnesota with folks uh, from all over the country, I've uh, got a picture of that, learning um, about how folks approach community building. And I heard so many stories. There was a new church in Hamilton, that's the next picture, uh, Hamilton, Ontario, that uh, had decided to dig deeper in their commitment to community by making the step to purchase a building. There was an Orthodox church plant in Colorado uh, that is helping folks understand and engage in the ancient traditions of the Eastern church, branch of the church. Um, an intentional community in San Francisco navigating the thick and thin of what it means to bind your lives with others in the long term and in real ways. Um, an African immigrant congregation in Atlanta, uh, a Pan-African immigrant congregation, trying to make the leap um, to be a faith community for the next generation of kids. Um, in the area, um, and then even an historic uh, Baptist church in New Orleans that in the aftermath of Katrina has committed itself to service ministries that have not only impacted the city, but is beginning to influence policies in foster care for the state of Louisiana. It was inspiring and beautiful and humbling to have a seat at this table and to take in the vast work of hope and love that God's people were doing in so many diverse spaces. And then last week, I gathered with clergy colleagues here in Chicago for a series of conversations about faith and science. 
We talked with an astronomer at the Adler Planetarium, an environmental ethicist um, here at the university, or in this area at the University of Chicago, a priest at Mundelein Seminary who holds both a Master of Divinity and a PhD in astrophysics, in case you were feeling bad about your life. Um, and so the national scope with which I had, would, had viewed God's activity two weeks ago expanded dramatically this week to include 13 billion light years away. The intricate, delicate workings of trying to knit together human relationships in trust and purpose for community gave way to photons, the space-time continuum, and the community of galaxies that make up our cosmos. It was astonishing and inspiring in ways that left me both elevated and humbled. And yet, in between these two weeks, I had this sort of 24-hour span that I'm still trying to figure out what to do with. I had returned from Minnesota, learned that I had had a flat tire, was treated unkindly by the mechanic, had this whole surge pricing debacle with Lyft that I shared about last week, and was completely left undone by it all. No matter how I looked at it in my mind, I just couldn't figure out why I felt so torn up by what essentially was like a really bad day, right? My soul felt in a shambles, and no one seemed to understand. And in my wondering about this, I was reflecting on our passage today, and I had this kind of moment of clarity. Now, if you read the chapter just before this one, you'll find the well-known story of Moses and the Ten Commandments, and more specifically, the story of when Moses, after having had this incredibly powerful and holy experience with God, making deep promises to one another, returns down the mountain with these promises on, on tablets only to find the people dancing around and worshiping a symbol of wealth and prosperity. And Moses is livid. While he was up there as, God's, as Israel's representative, basically getting married to God, Israel was YOLOing it with a golden calf, right? <laughs> and maybe it wouldn't have crushed him. Maybe he would have handled it differently if he hadn't had just come from this beautiful, sacred, powerful experience with God. Maybe he would have handled it differently if it hadn't all been done under the guidance and leadership of his right-hand man, Aaron, right? So Moses was in this place of deep vulnerability and high inspiration, which had both been violated and shattered in an instant. And as it turns out, God was kind of feeling the same way, right? And then Moses is in this super awkward position of having to turn around and go back to God and advocate on behalf of his people. You know, Moses is pissed at them, right? But then he had to like put on his big boy robes and put, and put himself on the line for his people. Oh, what a terrible people, right? He's saying to God, please, please forgive them. And if you don't, then, then take, me, take me down too. And that's love, right? He's willing to take the hit with Israel. How many of us would be doing that? Maybe if it was your kid, right? But if it was your community, probably not. And God is like, yo, Moses, I can't with these people. I won't kill them, okay. But I can't be with them because I might kill them. And so they land on this sort of hybrid approach, right? Because God has decided that they're not going to give up, but they just cannot open themselves to the people and the way that things had, had happened before. But God and Moses, like, really kind of had a good thing going, right? And so, um, so they had this really good thing going, 
And Moses sets up this tent outside of the community where he and God can kind of be in an ongoing relationship, where Moses can escape the Beckys of Israel to get centered, restored, and be reminded of the bigger thing that he is a part of. Conversely, I think, God also gets an opportunity to rem- remember that like, tra- humans are not the trash heap that we sometimes act like and look at what a solid dude Moses is in spite of all the rest of us, right? And so it goes. Moses meets with God, and the people are feeling super sorry about all the things that they show up, that they have done. And so they show up with devotion and regularity to the place where God dwells. Even if they can't be in direct relationship, they can at least have a kind of surrogate relationship through Moses. Now, I'm 100% that this was not the last time that Moses was ready to quit on his people, right? Ask me how I know. Um, (laughs) But I am also certain that a significant reason why he didn't quit on them was that he not only loved them, but he also loved God. And while the people loved dancing on that last nerve of his, those regular encounters with God kept Moses centered, rooted, and reminded of his connection to the much bigger thing that God was doing in the world and how God was inviting him into it. Every time that Moses entered that tent, He was lifted above the noise of his life, above all the things on his to-do list and all the little internal whispers of how he wasn't smart enough or strong enough or Hebrew enough to be the leader, above all of that, and lose himself in the beauty of God's work and the love of God's presence. Now, you know we're all in this sermon series about what makes for a meaningful life. And we've talked about belonging, we've talked about purpose. Today we're going to focus on transcendence. Now, transcendence is that moment of being lifted above, of getting pulled out of the daily grind and seeing or understanding or experiencing something that is beyond you. Some folks, for some folks, it's what you experience when you lose yourself in a long run along the lake. Uh, For others, it's that bridge in the song that just kind of like takes you over the edge, right? It's the flow state of creativity, the hike through the ancient forest, the realization that our tiny little planet is just one miracle among countless others in an infinite galaxy. Transcendence reminds us that the universe is far greater and complex than our one expression of it here. And yet, we are also still made of the same stardust as everything else, right? It's humbling and inspiring all at once. But it can also be hard because transcendence is not a forever state of being. You have to come down at some point. Now, a couple of years ago, one of our legacy members at UVC, Lena Armstrong, made a comment that has stayed with me. She said sometimes she doesn't want to come to church because what happens here, the community, the connection, the love across diversities, it just feels too good. It elevates her spirit, and that is something that she sort of struggled with at the time, because after church, she said she'd return home to her block where there are nightly shootings and far too many folks getting crushed under the burdens of this world. It is hard to move from a place that feels safe and good and joyful to a place that is all too saturated with pain and brokenness and try to figure out, how do I live in these two places? It's hard, I know. I know. When I think about that weird blip of 24 hours where I was undone, as I think about Moses and his regular visits with God, as I think about Lena and all of us in one form or fashion negotiating what she described, I'm reminded of how important, even when it's painful, to take time for holy spaces 
and moments, to be lifted out of our schedules and lists and touch the mystery of God's presence and joy and beauty in this world, be reminded of what we can be, that, that of what we are a part of, part of something bigger than ourselves, even as we move through our daily struggles. That we can do beautiful things and be beautiful people and create beauty in a world that so often would just try to dim our imaginations, lower our standards of what is possible. Transcendence gives us perspective. It pulls us out of our destructive, scarcity-minded, uh, driven um, thought patterns. It helps us to see the world and our place in it in a, in a much less anxious, much more peaceful way. And it sustains us, especially in times of turmoil, that we can kind of pull out of our immediate pain. One way that you can engage in transcendence is to take time for spiritual practices. And there are lots of them out there. In fact, Diamond and Lucille uh, will be leading a small group to explore various spiritual practices. So if you're interested in that, you should definitely talk to Diamond um, or indicate that on your tear-off sheet. Uh, but there's one spiritual practice that I thought that we would engage in together this morning, and I've already kind of alluded to it. I was introduced to it not specifically as a spiritual practice, but I kind of think it fits in this category. So how many of you have heard of circle singing? Okay, like 10% of you. Um, so now I learned about circle singing, at least as it's called that, by our very own Leslie Moore. But I think once it, you kind of get a, get a sense of it, you'll, I think you'll kind of recognize it. Because singing and singing in circles is just about as old as sound itself, right? Singing is how communities gather, is how we gather, right? To be of one heart and mind and to feel connected to each other. It can be formal or informal. But the idea is that everyone brings their voice together in a kind of melodic cacophony, right? It's improvisational, and like any good improvisation technique, it has rules um, of attentiveness, right? It demands awareness of and listening to your neighbors. Um, and you listen, and you, you breathe and listen and respond, and it's the spirit, which is a word that finds its root in the word breath, right, as the spirit leads. And in this process of breathing and listening and responding, we can find ourselves lifted and united together in the bigger thing of God among us. So the way that this is going to work, um, circle singing is not, and this is, I'm still like kind of learning about it, but um, circle singing is not necessarily finding harmony, but kind of like catching a piece of the song um, and kind of uh, uh, repeating it throughout the song, or maybe catching a, a beat in the song and repeating that. So as you are led, we're going to, um, uh, we're going to, uh, uh, do a song exercise, circle singing song exercise, sort of. Um, uh, uh, and the way that it works is that um, we're going to use the melody of um, Amazing Grace as kind of the, the sort of through line of it. Um, and then as you are led, and, and um, Leslie's going to kind of invite some folks to join in um, to, to some different, way, different uh, improvisational um, practices to help folks begin to kind of catch how it goes. Um, we're going to try this out together. So I'm going to invite you all to stand up and like kind of shake your limbs a little bit. Uh, if, if, if it will help you feel less self-conscious to close your eyes, if it will help you listen better and kind of lean into the space of the, the music, then I invite you to do that. But you're also welcome to keep your eyes open. Um, and I'm uh, starting. I am not a professional singer. so We can start together. Yeah, okay, thank you. Thanks. <laughs> Alleluia, 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 Alleluia. 
Whether it is in community, together, trying something new and leaning into one another to create a sound that no one can quite predict, or whether it is in your room over scripture with tears coming down your face trying to make sense of God's word, or with a friend or a group of friends sharing the wisdom that you have gained so far in your faith walk over scotch or other non-alcoholic beverages, um, or if it's the middle of the night, bouncing a baby, trying to get them to calm down to go back to sleep. Find ways and opportunities to be lifted out of the space of the world as it is from time to time and catch a glimpse of God's powerful mystery that is there and available for you, waiting for you to touch it. Pray all of this with hope and trust in the God who is so much bigger than us and in the name of, your, of God's Son, Jesus Christ, who tried to help us see the ways that that mystery can be touched even here on this earth. Amen.